0: Stocks continue to crumble as the Dow drops below 30,000 for the first time since before the pandemic. America is in the midst of a great moral disintegration, and the Autobahn Society wants you to listen to a man dressed as a woman, dressed as a bird, for Pride Month. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. It's time to stand up against big tech. Protect your data at expressvpn.com. Slash, Ben, we'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, you're spending too much money on everything. Thanks, Joe. Everything's great. Well, one of the places you're spending way too much money is on that cell phone bill. You're spending it on Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile. They're charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Why in this economy do you want to pay for things you don't use? Instead of paying 89 bucks a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to PureTalk for what you actually need. I made the switch. I'll be honest. I was nervous at first thinking, is this coverage really going to work? Are all my calls going to get dropped? Slow internet? Well, no, actually everything works great. The 5G service is that good. Switching to PureTalk is that easy. So listen, if you've been sitting on the fence because I don't know, you've been propagandized into it by the big cell phone providers. Instead, head on over to puretalk.com, select a plan, enter promo code Shapiro, save 50% off your very first month of coverage. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro today. Again, that's puretalk.com. Why are you spending hundreds of dollars more than you need to every year, but just for the thrill of giving your money to Verizon? Instead, head on over to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro Right now, select a plan. You can save 50% off your very first month. Well, the Joe session is here. According to the Wall Street Journal, U.S. stocks tumbled on Thursday, sending the Dow Jones industrial average below 30,000 for the first time since January 2021 as volatility continued to rock the market. Major indices have notched big declines in 2022 as high inflation, rising interest rates, growing concerns about corporate profits and economic growth, dent investors' appetite for risk. The blue chips are down 18% this year. The S&P 500 is down 23%. The tech-heavy Nasdaq composite has fallen 32%. Stocks did rally a little bit on Wednesday, but then dropped again on Thursday. Optimism fizzled. Stocks declined across the market as investors reassessed the risks ahead. Again, these are really, really poor numbers and they're reflective of underlying economic uncertainty driven by the simple fact that the Biden administration not only has no plan, all of their plans are bad. This is the Joe session. We are in the middle of Joe Biden's recession because the fact is that this was not supposed to happen. I said when Joe Biden took office that he was the luckiest son of a gun ever to take the office, not only because of the wonderful surprise it must be to him every morning to realize that he's president anew, but also because he was inheriting this awful situation that we were already coming out of. Basically, the the patient had been put into an artificial coma, and now the patient was coming out of it and was on the road to recovery. And the new doctor, all the new doctor had to do was just stand there and then smile and give a good prognosis, and that's all. And instead, the new doctor came in and started putting leeches all over the patient and then was surprised when the bloodletting actually was bad for the patient. That's precisely what happened. Go back to my podcast the day that Joe Biden took office, and I said, this guy is going to have a very easy two years. I was wrong because I didn't think it was possible for him to screw this up this badly. Again, I should have listened to Barack Obama, who said, don't underestimate Joe Biden's ability to F things up. Amazing. He was given a vaccine. He was given a new variant. By the way, the new new Omicron variant was actually quite good in the sense that it actually gave widespread immunity with very low risk of death to a huge swath of the population, even faster and more durable than than the vaccine did for a lot of people. So he was given uh, the vaccine. A, a less viral variant in in a, a more viral, but less deadly variant in Omicron. He was given a, an economy in a full state of recovery. Right? The economy was ready and rip roaring and ready to go. And all he had to do was stand and he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He had to quote unquote build back better and restructure the entire American economy with new spending and regulations and tax proposals. And so what we get now is an ESG governed stock market that is basically ideologically committed, but economically under undercapitalized now, and now it's becoming undercapitalized because of all of the measures that are being taken. All of this is a real problem. And as the Wall Street Journal points out, the U.S. economy is starting to slow. I mean, like technically slow. The U.S. economy is starting to slow under the combined weight of soaring inflation and climbing interest rates, including the highest mortgage rates since 2008. Recent reports show sharp declines in key sectors, raising the prospects of a stalled economic recovery and possibly a recession. Home construction across the United States fell sharply in May, the Commerce Department said on Thursday. Factories in the mid-Atlantic region reduced activity for the first time in two years this month, the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia said, and Americans broadly cut spending at retailers for the first time this year in May, the Commerce Department said earlier this week. Economists have slashed their productions for for second quarter output growth in recent days. One closely watched forecast, the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta's GPN Now Tracker estimates the gross domestic product is on track to remain unchanged at an annual rate over the three months through June 30th. Output fell at 1.5% annual rate in the first quarter. We were told that when it fell, that was sort of an artificial decline in the first quarter. But as it turns out, now it looks like negative growth in one quarter, zero growth in a second quarter. If that's not a recession, it is right on the verge of a recession. And given the fact that the Federal Reserve is about to kick in these higher interest rates and to increase them rather dramatically over the rest of the course of the year, you can bet your bottom dollar, and this is what most people are doing, that a recession is just around the corner. According to the Wall Street Journal, those figures suggested that persistent supply shortages a 40-year high in inflation and the Federal Reserve's aggressive efforts to tame price pressures by raising interest rates are cooling the world's largest economy. The Fed on Wednesday raised its benchmark interest rate by 0.75 percentage points. That's the biggest increase since 1994. The moves have helped push up borrowing costs for consumers and businesses, meaning that not only are prices for goods and services rising, so is the cost of loans that are used to buy houses, cars, and other items. Freddie Mac said Thursday, the average rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage soared to 5.78% this week. That is a really high rate. That is the highest rate in more than 13 years. And again, stocks are tumbling. So you got mortgage rates going up. You got your stock market investments going down. You've got people buying less. And you've got the Federal Reserve raising the interest rates. All of that is a recipe for recession. And we are there. Again, those mortgage interest rates, that is devastating to a lot of folks. The higher cost of an interest rate over the course of a 30-year loan is really, really significant. If you're talking about the difference between a 3% rate and a 6% rate on a mortgage, which is what we are talking about in terms of changing on the mortgage rate over the course of the last three, four months alone. If you're talking about like a $250,000 home, according to the Washington Post, over the course of the loan, you will pay an additional $128,000 on that loan just because of that 3% interest rate increase. If you're talking about a $500,000 home, you're talking about paying over the course of the life of the loan. $256,000 more. And if you're talking about a $750,000 home, you're talking about $384,000 more. I mean, these are big, big numbers for people. And again, you can't blame that on Ukraine. You cannot blame that on COVID. You can only blame that on the person who is in charge and the people that he left in charge. Again, there's a good case to be made that Jerome Powell should have been fired. I mean, the guy had one job and he blew it. His job was keep inflation under control. And somehow he ends up with a 40-year high in inflation And he gets to keep his job and we're supposed to rely upon him. And Jerome Powell is a disaster area. It makes us all feel a little bit insecure. Well, if you're feeling a little insecure about your own home because you're spending a lot more time away from home this summer, you know, you're out at the pool with the kids or something. The reality is that you need to protect your home with Ring. Now, I know you're thinking that Ring is just the company that makes the video doorbell, but they actually make an award winning home security system with available professional monitoring. They call it Ring Alarm. Ring didn't stop there. They've actually changed the home security game entirely with Ring Alarm Pro. That's why I've decided to team up with Ring when it comes to protecting my own home. I've gone pro with Ring Alarm Pro. Ring Alarm Pro is a next level security system. CNET calls Ring Alarm Pro a giant leap for home security after using it. I think they're totally right. Ring combined a home security system and a Wi-Fi router. So this thing helps protect your home and secure your network. This summer, whether I'm across the country or across town, I know everything at home is protected and connected and that it will stay that way. With a Ring Protect Pro subscription, which is an amazing deal, by the way, I get professional monitoring for the ultimate peace of mind. If anything happens, professional monitoring will call me and can request emergency services. Talk about a worry-free vacation. You might not have known it, but it's true. Ring has an award-winning alarm. This busy summer season to protect my home, I've gone pro with Ring Alarm Pro. To learn more, go to ring.com forward slash Ben. That's ring.com forward slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Ring.com forward slash Ben. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is saying that a recession is not inevitable. He said they shouldn't believe a warning. They should just say, let's see, let's see which is correct. And from my perspective, you talked about a recession. First of all, it's not inevitable. Secondly, we're in a stronger position than any nation in the world to overcome this inflation. If it's my fault, why is it the case that in every other major industrial country in the world, inflation is higher? You ask yourself that. I'm not being a wise guy. Well, he's not even capable of being a wise guy. If you look at inflation rates by country right now, the United States is not, in fact, the lowest of any industrialized nation. It is not true by a long shot. The latest figures on inflation for for the following countries. All lower than the United States. Germany is 7.9%. France, 5.2%. Japan, 2.5%. India, 7.4%. Canada and Italy, 6.8%. Saudi Arabia, 2.2%. Meanwhile, data released last week showed the U.S. inflation rose in May to a four-decade high of 8.6%. So where are all the fact checkers? Where are they? Over at Facebook, making sure that, that Joe Biden and the White House are dinged for all of this. Meanwhile, the price of gas continues to skyrocket. And the preferred solution of this administration, which is that we not drill... It's starting to look real bad. So Karine Jean-Pierre continues to double down on this. It is unbelievable. Again, an administration where ideology trumps the simple facts on the ground. Karine Jean-Pierre, incompetent White House press secretary, explaining, we definitely don't need to drill more. Also, we need to ask the oil companies to produce more without actually drilling more. Because again, it's just about finding somebody to blame.
1: That is what the problem is. We need them to actually refine uh, the crude oil, which is not happening, and that's what we're calling on oil companies to do. Why not drill
0: more here in the U.S. though? <laughs> we
1: because we don't need to do that. What we need them to do is with the oil that's out there, we need the, to, them to refine that oil so that we, so that prices so that the capacity could go up and then prices it would go down okay. inherently go down. And, and so I know the president once said that he was going to end fossil fuel. Is that now off the table? No, we are going to continue to move forward with our uh, clean energy uh, proposal, our climate change uh, proposal. So
0: so. So we we, we need more production. We need more refineries doing more refining. Also, we want all of that to stop. That sort of conflicting message is probably not going to result in more production. Again, if I have a dollar to invest today, am I going to invest it in the oil industry knowing it's going to take a while for that dollar to actually turn out a benefit? Knowing that five years from now, the chances are that this administration or an administration like it are going to crack down on the ability of the industry that I invested in to actually produce. All of these things have a tail. When you invest a dollar in an oil company, it's not because that dollar is now going to produce oil tomorrow. It's because that dollar is going to produce oil a couple of years from now, three, four, five years from now. But if you have no faith that the government is going to allow for that to happen three, four, five years from now, why are you going to invest right now? A future possibility of supply Affects price today, but this administration likes to pretend that that's not happening. Meanwhile, they've been sending all of their idiot spokespeople out there to claim that we should just buy more fuel-efficient vehicles. Well, here's the problem, guys. Number one, fuel-efficient vehicles, pretty expensive. Number two, you can't even get one. Okay, I ordered a Tesla back in like October. It was supposed to be delivered in May. It is currently nearly the end of June. We're getting toward the end of June. It probably ain't going to arrive till August, September at best, given what's going on in the world economy right now. The Wall Street Journal is pointing out that car shoppers looking for more fuel efficient vehicles, they, they, they literally cannot buy them. Quote, with gasoline prices topping five bucks a gallon, fuel economy is suddenly top of mind again for car shoppers, reinvigorating interest in the small car sedans and hybrids that have fallen out of favor in recent years. The problem, those are among the vehicles in the shortest supply. In recent months, the average price of gasoline in the United States has soared to new records, pushing up fuel costs for drivers and prompting many Americans to seek out smaller, more economical rides, dealers and executives say. The shift is sending it another shockwave through the car business, which has spent much of the past decade giving priority to pricey, fuel-thirsty pickups and SUVs that drive big profits. Supply chain disruptions have further complicated the market, leaving dealership lots sparse of any type of vehicle, both new and used, and automakers are scrambling to restock. Right now, if you wish to buy a a compact car or a hybrid, you're waiting, on average, just for the supply. 15, right now, the hybrid, they only have 20 two days worth of hybrids in stock. These are not numbers that are going to help you cure your high gasoline prices by bringing new green energy on the market. So you're looking for a more fuel-efficient car, you can't find it? Well, that's annoying. You know what is even more annoying? If you are looking for a great candidate to fill a position at your company and you can't find them, you need to be using ZipRecruiter because ZipRecruiter does the job for you. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily If you're a business owner, the last thing you need to do is sorting through tons of unqualified candidate resumes when you could in- instead be actually enjoying your life and getting better candidates through ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter uses its powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter got a quality candidate within day one. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated hiring site based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of January 1, 2022. So soak up all that summer has to offer. Let ZipRecruiter do the work. ZipRecruiter.com slash dailywire. That's where you need to go right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. When you go to that web address, you can try ZipRecruiter for free today. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. Go check them out right now at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. Meanwhile, Goldman Sachs is out there saying, yeah, you know, we probably should have invested a little bit more in, you know, the oil industry. Instead of trying to green the oil industry, maybe we should have let them do what they actually do. According to Wendell Husebo, who's reporting for Breitbart, American energy is suffering from a a lack of long-term investment, which temporary fixes cannot alleviate, global head of commodities at Goldman Sachs, Jeff Curry said on Thursday. Downplaying the Ukrainians' war's impact on oil prices, Curry said soaring energy prices are due to a lack of U.S. investment in the fossil fuel sector. The global slowdown, let's say it's Fed-induced, Curry said about the Federal Reserve increasing rates to combat inflation. It may create a pullback in oil prices, but it is not a long-term fix. I want to emphasize demand destruction or demand slowdown is not a fix to this problem. In other words, we need more supply. But if nobody's investing because everybody believes there's going to be a crackdown, that's a problem. What are the reasons for the lack of capital investment, Curry asked? He named ESG, Environmental Social Corporate Governance. Curry says too much focus on left-wing investment strategies is one of the main reasons the U.S. is unprepared for energy price shocks produced by a variety of factors. In other words, it looks a lot like the European energy policy, which was, we are going to crack down on these oil companies. We need to stop them pr- from producing the oil. And then quietly, sato voce to Vladimir Putin. If you can keep shipping in the oil, that would be great because we have to keep our economy running. And this is all the reflection of really crappy policy. And the oil companies have pointed out that while Joe Biden is telling him, is telling them that they need to increase production, He's preventing them from increasing production. ExxonMobil responded by saying they've been in regular contact with the administration to remind them of the extraordinary efforts the company has made in investing in energy production. They say that's more than any other company. The company said in the short term, the U.S. government could enact measures often used in emergencies following hurricanes or other supply disruptions, such as waivers of Jones Act provisions and some fuel specifications to increase supplies. Longer term, government can promote investment through clear and consistent policy that supports US resource development, such as regular and predictable lease sales, as well as streamlined regulatory approval and support for infrastructure such as pipelines. Again, this is all just common sense stuff. It's all just common sense stuff. The simple fact is, if you make business easier to do, you will get more supply. This will bring down the prices because demand is relatively stable right now. And when you do that, inflation will be crushed. Instead, you have not only been hit with an exogenous bottleneck in the supply chain. You've exacerbated that bottleneck with bad regulatory policy and proposals for new taxes and global taxes on corporations. And then you are shocked when the supply continues to decrease. When you're shocked when the, when the economic coma that these companies went through in 2020, 2021 is exacerbated. You don't get to play that game. There's, there's one person who owns this recession, and his name is Joe Biden. That does not mean that there aren't global factors that are contributing to a recession, it means the United States is, was, and will be the most powerful economy on the face of the earth. And when that economy decides to cut its own Achilles, then this is what happens. If you cut your own tendons and then you can't walk, that's your fault. This administration has every ability to alleviate the pressures on businesses right now. They're not doing it. They're they're increasing the pressures on businesses. Well, even some Democrats are starting to, to get very worried about this. Because now they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. As I mentioned just a couple of days ago, the the fact is that Democrats are looking down the road at 2024 and they're figuring, okay, well, we are screwed. And the reason we are screwed is not just because we have a dead man for president, but also because we now have a choice. Our choice is we tamp down the inflation by killing the economy. Or we allow the economy to continue to sort of bubble along at mid-range pace. And we allow the inflation to soar out of control. None of those are really good options. According to the New York Times, a recession would hurt Democrats. Some warn it would also hurt democracy. Some warn. Typical New York Times. What they really mean by this is, God forbid people recognize the Democratic policy sucks. A Republican could win in 2024. Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, made the understatement of the year on Wednesday when he noted offhandedly to reporters, quote, clearly people do not like inflation. And how? According to Fox News' latest national poll, 41% of registered voters said inflation and higher prices represented the most important issue influencing their ballot decision in November. Just 12% of voters called guns their top priority, the second-place issue. 71% disapproved of the job President Biden is doing on inflation. 71%. That's a lot of Democrats and independents who do not like Joe Biden's policies on inflation. The Fed might be Joe Biden's best hope. After the Federal Open Market Committee announced Wednesday it would raise short-term interest rates by three-quarters of a percentage point. Powell said the Fed's goal is to bring inflation closer to its 2% target while keeping the labor market strong. He hastened to add, we're not trying to induce a recession. Now, let's be clear about that. But some commentators like David Frum of The Atlantic, who's become a big Democrat, have begun to fret that in trying to tame inflation, the Fed will do exactly that, start a recession just in time to doom Biden or whomever Democrats nominate in his stead in 2024. From noted the historically tight link between economic growth and a president's chances of re-election, citing the possibility that an unrepented Donald Trump will run again. He argued a downturn this year or next could result in a democracy-wrecking election the next year. And so the basic idea here is that the the that maybe we have to keep inflation high to prevent a recession, so as to prevent Donald Trump from sweeping back into office. Or theoretically, you could pursue, you know, good economic policy. The reason people disapprove of Joe Biden is because they can see statistics in front of their face. The inflation rate under Joe Biden has climbed virtually every month since he became president of the United States. The only downtick was very mild and it was a couple of months ago and then it went up again. So the Biden administration has no handle on this. They're just going to keep saying the word transition over and over again. And I have to say that this line of attack that we're just in, don't worry, guys, everything is fine. This is just a transitional period. No one believes this because the question is a transition toward what? A transition toward what? Normally, when you say I'm making a transition from A to B, I want to know what B is. If we mean transition toward a low growth market for the foreseeable future, that's bad. That's a bad thing. But here's Karine Jean-Pierre, who who keeps kind of suggesting that if she says the word transition over and it's not just her, it's Brian Deese. It's it's the entire economic team over there. Like everyone, Jared Bernstein, they're all saying the same thing. Transition, transition. Well, no one believes this is transitional. You said inflation was transitory. Trans is not every issue, guys. And here's Karine Jean-Pierre trying to explain that the economy is just, we're in the midst of a, of a big transition, you know, toward green energy. Mm-hmm. We're in the midst of it, a, toward, toward a booming economy. Mm-hmm. We don't believe you.
1: We believe that we are in a transition right now, coming out of a uh, economic uh, uh, recovery, a historic economic recovery, uh, because of the work that the President has done this past year and a half. And so we believe that we'll be in that transition. We're going into that transition of stable and steady growth. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and we're going to continue to do the work uh, that the President has laid out to lower inflation.
0: No one believes her. No one believes Joe Biden. This is why his approval ratings are awful. Harry Enten of CNN, he says, we're going to look at a Republican wave year this year because of Joe Biden's economic policies. He, he points out that there's never been a president with this kind of approval rating who didn't just get absolutely shellacked in the murder, In the midterms. And again, when Joe Biden says recession is not inevitable, that's not what CEOs are saying. According to The Wall Street Journal, most top executives say they think a recession is looming or are already here. According to a new survey, more than 60% of CEOs expect a recession in their geographic region in the next 12 to 18 months. According to a survey of 750 CEOs and other C-suite executives released Friday by the conference board, a business research firm, an additional 15% think the region of the world where their company operates is already in a recession. Because here's the thing, you only find out when you're in a recession after you're in a recession. Because the way that we typically measure a recession is two straight quarters of negative growth. But if you're in the midst of that second quarter of negative growth, you're not going to find out that you're already in a recession until we release the stats at the end of quarter two. But the simple fact is everybody already perceives that there is a drawback in spending. We didn't see the home prices are climbing. Homes are, homes are sitting on the market for longer. Mortgage rates are going up. You're spending too much money at the gas pump. Everyone feels this. Everybody knows this. In late 2021, 22% of CEOs surveyed by the firm reported seeing recession risk. That total was down from 39% a year earlier. Now it is 60%. That data was collected in May before the Federal Reserve approved its largest interest rate increase since 1994. We need to be prepared for tougher times, said Ilham Kadri, CEO of Solvay SA, a Brussels-based chemical maker, who added that rising inflation could hurt demand for products. And Joe Biden can try to blame this on everybody else, but again, he's the president of the United States and he's the one who is going to pay the price as well he should because a lot of this was preventable. Not all of it, a lot of it was preventable. And Joe Biden decided to steer right into this hurricane, right into it. Joe Biden's economy is making you pay 100 bucks every time you go to the pump for your gas. Well, you know, because those gas prices are so high, if you had a way to lower those, even just a little bit, wouldn't you take it? I've been telling you about this way. Why not just do it? I'm talking about the Upside app. You can get it for free. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download that free Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code Shapiro for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up cash back. Do not pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back right now using Upside. You can download the app for free. When you use promo code Shapiro, you get 25 cents per gallon or more on your very first tank of gas. You can also earn cash back, by the way, at grocery stores, restaurants, and with takeout as well. You can cash out anytime to your bank account or get an e-gift card for select retailers and brands. So if you could save money on your gas and your groceries and at restaurants and on takeout, why wouldn't you do that if all it means is just downloading that free upside app and using promo code Shapiro? Because when you do that, you get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your very first tank of gas. Use promo code Shapiro right now. That is promo code Shapiro when you download that free upside app again, go to the App Store or Google Play right now. Get that free upside app. Use promo code Shapiro for the special deal. 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up cash back. And meanwhile, all of this is being exacerbated by a sense that America is coming apart at the seams morally. And you can see this on every available front. It feels as though there are two very different visions for what America should look like morally. And they are in complete contradiction with one another. It's, it really is amazing. There's a poll that came out from Gallup. And it showed that 50% of Americans rate U.S. moral values as poor. Now, the 50% of Americans who rate U.S. moral values as poor, that actually is bipartisan. Because there are a bunch of Republicans who think it, and there are a bunch of Democrats who think it, but for completely different reasons. And this is the key. There are two very different moral visions for the country. This is particularly true with regard to children. On the left, there's a generalized perception that the great risk to children is Judeo-Christian values, traditional roles, moral rules. These things are a threat to your child's development, according to the left. Your child needs to be left free to explore their own identity, to find their gender fluidity, to find their inner peace through your facilitation of hormone treatment. They have to be, at the same time, trained that they might be a little racist and that they need to understand the historic injustices of the United States that have now been instantiated in them as human beings. And if you teach them Judeo-Christian, if you take them to church, that is an imposition of of an external morality that is bad for kids. This is the view of large swaths of the left, which is why you're starting to see all this talk about drag queen story hour in public schools and why it's so important and why you have the Biden administration openly attempting to trans the kids, because the idea is that all of these impositions on children are dangerous for them. The right's view is precisely the opposite, that kids need inculcation of moral rules, that traditional Judeo-Christian ideas are good for kids, that kids need boundaries, they need to be taught about civilizational roles, and that it is good to act in accordance with both evolutionary biology and the inherited wisdom of the ages when it comes to Enacting the way that you live your life, that these things are these are in complete contradistinction to one another, and you can see that this moral conflict is now becoming incredibly acute. Because as the left moves ever to the left, as they feel their oats, as they believe that the wave of history is with them, they've pushed so far so fast that the right, which has been asleep at the wheel for literally my entire lifetime culturally, has decided we're done with this. And a lot of people in the middle are looking and looking at what the left has done to kids, and they're saying we're not interested in this. You can see the conflict in this poll from Gallup. It's really fascinating. According to this Gallup poll, a record high 50% of Americans rate the overall state of moral values in the United States as poor. Another 37% say only fair. Just 1% think the state of moral values is excellent and 12% good. Okay, but when you break this down, what you see is two very different reasons why people believe that the moral values of the United States are bad. The right believes the moral values of the left are bad and the left believes the moral values of the right are bad. So the only thing they have in common is they believe the moral values of the United States are bad. It's just that the left believes that the right is in control and the right believes the left is in control. These findings from Gallup's May 2nd through 22nd values and beliefs poll are generally in line with perceptions since 2017. On average, since 2002, 43% of U.S. adults have rated moral values in the United States as poor, 38% as fair, 18% as excellent or good. Republicans' increasingly negative assessment of the state of moral values is largely responsible for the record high overall poor rating. At 72%, Republicans' poor rating of moral values is at the highest point since the inception of the trend and up sharply since Donald Trump left office. At the same time, 36% of Democrats say the state of moral values is poor. Only a 48% plurality rated as only fair, 15% as excellent or good. So why exactly do people believe that the moral values of the United States are, are bad? Republicans are more negative than Democrats about the deteriorating state of moral values. The 93% of Republicans who think moral values are getting worse is the highest measured for the group by one point. It comes after a sharp uptick in 2021 when Joe Biden became president. Meanwhile, only 68% of Democrats now say moral values are getting worse. Again, because Democrats control all of the institutions of our society, ranging from the actual government to, at the federal level at least, to the educational system, to the entertainment system, to the media. And so when they look at all of the institutions reflecting their moral values, naturally, fewer of them think that the morality of the country is getting worse. So what exactly do Americans think is the top problem? So according to the polling data, 18% of Americans, and this is very consistent, think consideration of others is the top problem. Now, again, that's very vague, and people break that down very differently. I think consideration for others means, for example, that you respect my religious freedom. People on the left believe consideration for others means that they get to invade my religious freedom and declare that Yeshiva University has to have a pride club. In terms of racism and discrimination, 8% of Americans now believe that this is the top problem with the state of moral values. 8% say racism and discrimination. That, of course, is the aftermath of the BLM movement. There's actually been a decline since 2012 to 2022 in lack of faith or religion or lack of morals. So 17% of Americans in 2022 thought lack of religion or lack of morals was the key issue. Today, that's only 14%. Lack of family structure, that worry has declined as well. So what you've seen is that the left has basically given up on sort of the mainstream view that people should go to church, that people should have traditional family structure, and they've decided to pour all of their moral ire into the racism issue. Among Republicans, about 11% name a lack of faith or religion as the most important moral problem. Democrats are at least twice as likely as Republicans to mention racism as a top moral problem. So we have a massive gap that has emerged in our culture. And so as the economy declines and as the the sort of materialism of a very rich society starts to run up on the shoals of bad democratic policy, all of the moral conflicts that are boiling under the surface are going to start to break through because materialism and material comfort can mask a lot of things like the fatty layer on your body. It can mask a lot of things. But as that fat starts to decline and whatever is underneath starts to show through, things are going to get really, really ugly, really fast. And this is becoming, again, most clear when it comes to the treatment of children. The treatment of children and religion is the biggest one. According to the Washington Post, caught in the culture wars, teachers are being forced from their jobs. And so the right would say, okay, well, if you're teaching my kid gender orientation, sexual theory, then yeah, you should lose your job. If you're teaching my kid America's inherently bad, you should lose your job. The left says, if you teach prayer in the classroom, you should lose your job. These are two incompatible visions of what it means to raise children in the United States, which is, of course, what we're all fighting about all the time. Because if we're not fighting about just our pocketbooks, We have to be thinking about what the moral future of the United States looks like. The Washington Post, of course, is on the side of the left. A Florida teacher lost her job for hanging a Black Lives Matter flag over her classroom door and rewarding student activism. A Massachusetts teacher was fired for posting a video denouncing critical race theory. A teacher in Missouri got the ax for assigning a worksheet about privilege. And still another in California was fired for criticizing mask mandates on her Facebook page. They were among the more than 160 educators who were either fired or resigned from their jobs in the past two academic years due to the culture wars that are roiling many of the nation's schools. And the reason, by the way, that this is boiling down to schools is because there's a baseline libertarianism that Americans have when it comes to adults, which is adults sort of like as long as you're not hurting anybody else do whatever you want. That's sort of the baseline libertarian ideal in America. But when it comes to kids, libertarianism does not apply because kids do not have the power of consent. Kids do not have the power of choice. What moral st- there's no such thing as a sort of classical liberal moral standard to be applied to children because somebody's going to have to teach children. Somebody's going to have to determine what standards they ought to be inculcated with. And that's why all of this is really boiling down to the question of how we raise our kids. And you're starting to see this in, in real ways, breaking out everywhere in the culture, everywhere from the schooling system to your entertainment culture. Again, if I think it's very important to just mention that the, the wild difference between how the left sees raising kids and how the right sees raising kids, it's very, very important. Okay, so for example, Chris Evans. Okay, So Chris Evans is now saying that you are a, a terrible person and very bad. If you don't wish to take your kids to see Lightyear, right? This is now a moral test. And this is what the left likes to do. What they'd like to do is they like to do something transgressive. And then, the, and, and they say, it's very important that what they're doing is it's an incredible, important moment with the first gay kiss in a children's movie made by Pixar. Very important. You should all take note how important this is. And then you say, okay, I, I agree that it's important because you're trying to inculcate a system whereby you claim that a certain sexual morality and lifestyle is equivalent to another sexual morality and lifestyle where you claim that female-female couples are entirely morally equivalent to male-female couples producing children. That's the claim that you're making. And I disagree with that claim. So I agree that what you're doing is important. And also, I don't wish to indoctrinate my kids in a belief system that I think is morally incorrect. And Chris Evans says, this makes you a bad person, right? You're not allowed to notice. This should be, it's his wording, I think, that is really important here. So Chris Evans, who is the star of the film, he says, I mean, it's great, as great as it is. And you know, I've been asked the question a few times. It's nice and it's wonderful. It makes me happy. It's tough not to be a little frustrated that it even has to be a topic of discussion. So we do something that changes the moral standard. And it's sad that we even have to discuss it. We shouldn't have to discuss it. It's important for kids to see this stuff. Quote, that is that this, that it is this kind of news. The goal is that we can get to a point where it is the norm. And this doesn't have to be some uncharted waters, that eventually this is just the way it is. It is the norm. Okay, now, statistically, evolutionarily speaking, male, male, female, female couples are not the norm. That's just the simple fact of the matter. All of human biology, all of of human reproduction relies on this not being the norm. In fact, that's not to make the case against tolerance. That's not even to make the case against same-sex marriage. Okay, that's just to make the case that to teach small children that the norm is male, male, or female, female is statistically and morally incorrect. And yet that is exactly what is being pushed. And if you object, this makes you a bigot. Okay, well, that sort of stuff is going to boil to the surface when you have a country that is so divided along these lines. There's an article in the Orlando Sentinel that just came out that I think underscores all of this. The Orlando Sentinel put out an editorial called GOP Loves Parental Choice, unless parents choose drag queens. Well, yes. I mean, yes. Like, we think there are things that you can do to your child that are damaging to your child and bringing them to strip clubs where they view men dressed as women dance around twerking seems like damaging stuff to children. Like, what? Correct? Again, these conflicting visions of the world are, are going to divide the country. They're going to continue to divide the country in the middle, particularly, of a Joe session. Well, the left is picking a very unique marketing strategy here. But here's the thing. If you run a business, you need a unique marketing strategy that actually is successful. This is why you need Constant Contact. It's a digital marketing platform that helps small businesses and nonprofits of all sizes build, grow, and succeed. With email marketing, contact management, industry-leading list growth tools, social media ads, and more, Constant Contact helps small businesses connect with customers, find new ones, and sell online all from one easy-to-use platform. They've been trusted by millions of businesses to help improve their marketing. With a 97% deliverability rate, you can rest assured that your customers and potential customers are getting the right message at the right time. With a simple interface, Constant Contact's easy-to-use platform makes contact management easier than ever. Their list growth tools help you find a bigger audience fast. Lead generation landing pages, text-to-join, social media ads are proven to grow your list and drive engagements with your brand. With thousands of integrations, you can sync Constant Contact's tools with the tools you're already using. Powerful automation tools help you send the right message to the right person at the right time every single time, which is what you need. You need to get more and more sophisticated in your marketing, and Constant Contact helps you do it. To Start your free digital marketing trial today at ConstantContact.com. Again, that is ConstantContact.com. Alrighty, folks, it is that glorious time of the week. I want to give a shout out to a Daily Wire member. It has arrived today. It's Ariel Bornstedt from The Mailbag, who understands what it takes to get a kid through childhood and a husband through college. In the pic, Ariel's husband, Alex, is wearing his Oregon State University graduation gown while holding their adorable son, who is clutching the world's greatest beverage vessel. And Alex's other hand is his mortarboard cap decorated with the words, what is a woman, and logo on top. Ariel writes, hey Ben, Baby John is fueling up on leftist years so he can grow up and ask the hard questions just like his daddy. Thanks for everything The Daily Wire is doing to make sure this little guy has a bright future. That is awesome. That is some summa cum laude parenting right there. Thanks for The Pit, for being a Daily Wire member, and thank you, Alex, for your service as a U.S. Marine. Well, folks, it has been a massive month here at The Daily Wire. We're creating so much content for you. Right now, most of the country is experiencing a heat wave. It's a great time to stay indoors and to hang out with the hottest, most talked about documentary in America, What is a Woman?, both the documentary and book are out right now. Also, you want to stay in tonight watch a great movie, Terror on the Prairie, starring Gina Carano. She is uncancelled. Disney tried to cancel her, and now she's back, bringing the fire in this gritty new Western. There's never been a better time to become a Daily Wire member. Your subscriptions ensure we can bring you more entertaining films and documentaries that challenge the woke narrative. Not just that, but your membership gives you access to our entire library of content. That's What is a Woman, Terror on the Prairie, Run, Hide, Fight, My Book Club, all the old episodes of my show. Like, tons and tons of stuff happening all the time. Plus, All access means that you get to hang out with me like on a weekly basis. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Join us today. There's never been a better time to become a member. Dailywire.com slash subscribe and sign up today. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So the moral conflict between right and left and this great moral conflict in our, in our country, it, it's now infected every institution and things that used to be considered relatively uncontroversial. It just demonstrates the, the actual cultural imperialism of the left. They, they, they attempt to infiltrate institutions that have historically rejected their values, and then they get angry when those institutions say no. So perfect example. Yesterday, Yeshiva University said that they did not want to have a pride club on campus because they are an Orthodox Jewish school. And a court in New York was like, nope, you got to. You got to. It's important. Your institution is now a secular university that must abide by our standard of morality. Also, apparently, it is very controversial that a Catholic church says that you're not allowed to fly at Catholic institutions, the BLM flag or the pride flag. Why this is controversial is absolutely beyond me. But apparently, it's wildly controversial in the same way that the media declared controversial every five minutes when the pope says that he's against same-sex marriage. The doctrine has not changed in any way, shape or form. But it was like, oh, my God. Well, the pope. Yes, the pope, the pope. Why are we even having this discussion? But the answer is because the left wishes to take over all of the traditional institutions of society and wreck them from within. According to The Washington Post, quote, the stark dual colored letters of the Black Lives Matter flag and the bright rainbow stripes of the pride flag had flown above the Massachusetts Catholic School for more than a year before the local bishop registered his opposition. The Black Lives Matter flag, Bishop Robert McManus said in April, has been co-opted by some factions, which also instill broad brush distrust of police. And the LGBTQ flag could be used to contrast church teaching that marriage is between a man and a woman, he added. What do you mean could? Could? Does. We I mean, forget about marriage. The Catholic Church, last I checked, is not in favor of homosexual activity, period. Not just marriage. When Nativity School of Worcester didn't budge, McManus issued a severe ruling. The tuition-free middle school, which serves boys facing economic hardship, can no longer identify itself as Catholic because the flags are inconsistent with with Catholic teaching. He said the flying of these flags in front of a Catholic school sends a mixed, confusing, and scandalous message to the public about the church's stance on these important moral and social issues. Despite my insistence, the school administration removed these flags because of the confusion and the properly theological scandal that they do and can promote. They refuse to do so. That defiance, McManus said, left him no other choice but to strip the Jesuit-run school of its Catholic affiliation. The school can also no longer celebrate mass or the sacraments or use diocesan institutions to raise funds. It was not included Thursday in the diocese's list of Catholic schools in the region. The decision, which comes during Pride Month. Man, how many... I'm so tired of the media doing this routine. You said this during Black History Month? Well, I would have said any other time. Yes, but it's Black History Month. You're supposed to take all of your values and trash them. It's Black History Month. It's Pride Month, guys. You said that you oppose same-sex marriage during Pride Month of all times? During Pride? Yes, like the other 330 days of the year. I, 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 like, yeah, I also oppose it then. But during Pride Month, oh, the vapors. We're supposed to believe that this is somehow a controversy. It's not a controversy. The Catholic Church has beliefs. This school is not reflecting the beliefs. The Washington Post is featuring that story. Because again, the idea is cultural imperialism from the left. What, what the left really wants is to be able to take all of these traditional institutions and turn them inside out and then pretend that they are representative of the in- institutions. They want a Hannibal Lecter-like, rip off the face of the institutions and wear it around as a skin mask. And so Nancy Pelosi is doing, she's out there saying how Catholic she is and also she loves abortion. No, it don't work that way, Nancy. It really do not. It does not work that way.
1: A woman has a right to choose, to live up to her responsibility. It's up to her, her doctor, her family, her husband, her her significant other, and her God. Uh, This talk of politicizing all of this, I think, is something uniquely American and not right. Other countries, Ireland, Italy, Mexico, have had legislative initiatives uh, to expand a woman's right uh, to choose, very Catholic countries. I'm a very Catholic person. And I believe in every woman's right to make her own decisions.
0: Uh, You're not a very Catholic person if you believe that a woman gets to define whether the life in her womb is in fact a life in her womb. That's like saying I'm a very Jewish person. Also, the Sabbath doesn't exist and you should violate it as often as possible. That's not the way any of that works. But again, the goal of the left is to basically gut these institutions and then pretend that they are representatives of the institutions. And they're doing this like from the smallest to the largest to all of them. Take just the most absurd example of the day. So I, I have to say this Pride Month has been the most pridey of all the Pride Months. I mean, man, the, the LGBTQ plus minus divided by a sign piece emoji. It, it, like that, that the, the movement this month, it, it has been the most prideful Pride Month in all the history of Pride. It's, it's amazing. So much so that even institutions as insignificant as the Audubon Society. Now you're thinking to yourself, wait a second, the, the Audubon Society? What does that have to do with Pride Month? I mean, do, doesn't the Audubon Society do like protection of? Birds? Isn't that what they do? It's an environmental organization that's trying to preserve, like, birds? No, you've got that wrong. They're all about drag over at the Audubon Society now. So they tweeted out, this Pride Month, Audubon partnered with drag queen and intersectional environmentalist Patty Gonia to bring you, birds tell us, the song of the meadowlark, a message of hope for the future of the planet as we face climate change, if we choose to listen. First of all, I'm never going to listen to a person who's dressed like this. I'm just not going to. Because I feel like they've made poor life decisions. I know, call it judgmental. But if you are in an Audubon Society video as a man dressed up as a woman dressed up as a bird, I'm just not taking you seriously. I'm sorry. If anybody walked into a meeting at my company dressed like that, I wouldn't take them seriously. If I had a plumber who came to my house and, and, was, and was trying to just unclog the shower dressed like that, I wouldn't take them particularly. Like, this is inherently unserious. This, this is how far we have come. Every, inst- every single institution in American society must not only be forced to kneel before the Zod of LGBTQ plus minus spiral emoji. They must also now actually purvey it. You have to become a, a loud megaphone for it by putting up the most ridiculous videos I have ever seen in my entire life. This is what Audubon Society, Audubon Society, man, I can't wait for for the Natural Museum of History to put out the gay dinosaurs. I mean, this is really, really, really fascinating stuff. Here's the Audubon Society.
1: Birds tell us. Birds tell us that the world is changing
0: is changing they sing it over us and around us in their songs and in the songs they no longer sing so uh yeah but why don't worry the status of our society we are we are in great moral shape here folks we are in just fantastic moral shape you know the kind of moral shape we are in we're in the kind of moral shape where the miss universe contest is now insisting that not all women who menstruate are not all people who menstruate are women, which comes as a shock to, you know, all of mammalian biology, that males can now menstruate. Miss Universe, of all places, is claiming that not all people who menstruate are women and shared inclusive language guidelines to its Twitter account on Tuesday, instructing the public to say people have periods, not women, according to Breitbart. Inclusive language is important, especially when speaking about periods, Miss Universe tweeted on Tuesday. In honor of this, Miss Universe needs to stop being so heteronormative by having a bunch of beautiful actual biological women walking around in their underthings on stage. Instead, what they need is a bunch of big, fat, hairy dudes who identify as women to walk around. And one of them needs to win Miss Universe because we are in a brave new universe where you get to pick, man. This is really exciting stuff, really exciting stuff. And this, this is what's going to make our moral society. And your refusal to accept it, this makes you bad. If you refuse to accept it, we will destroy you. We will wreck you. You must accept that the Audubon Society is now the purveyor of drag queens doing bad poetry while dressed up as a Tim Burton character dressed up as a bird. And you have to accept that Catholic institutions are going to fly the LGBTQ pride flag. And if you do not, then you are intolerant. You must. But by force of law, you must take your child to see Lightyear. You must. You can't just say, use your best judgment. I wouldn't. You can't do that. You have to take it because otherwise you are a dinosaur, says Chris Evans, the actor. Who has zero kids? You, you, v- vital, vital stuff. And if you cross them, man, they will break you on the wheel, which of course is what's happening now to rain. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, using the internet without ExpressVPN. Well, it's like forgetting to mute yourself on a Zoom meeting and having everyone hear your side conversation with your coworker. Not that that's ever happened to me, but you know. It's bad. Well, internet service providers track every single website you visit, which is also bad. They sell that information to ad companies and tech giants and then use it to target you with their ad programs. ExpressVPN reroutes your network data through a secure encrypted tunnel so your internet provider can't see or sell your online activity. It sounds complicated, but ExpressVPN is actually really easy to use. Just fire up that app, click one button. One subscription works on all your devices like phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected as well. Here at Daily Wire, we're proud to have ExpressVPN as our top privacy partner because we believe everyone should be able to protect themselves from big tech's prying eyes. Protect your online privacy by visiting expressvpn.com slash ben today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash ben. Get an extra three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash ben. That's the service I use. You should do the same. Expressvpn.com slash ben to get an extra three months for free. Wilson. So Rain Wilson, the former star of The Office, who I'm not aware has done a single thing since then. He played Dwight Schrute on the office. And he's a wild leftist. I mean, if you you read his Twitter feed, the guy is as far left as anybody in American celebrity culture. Well, he um, he tweeted something out and then he had to apologize for it. Here's what he tweeted. Today, I learned you can no longer say nursing or breastfeeding mother. You have to say chest feeding person. Just FYI. Okay. well, this is actually true. There are people on the left, including the BBC, I believe, which now refers to breastfeeding as chest feeding. As though a normal male chest produces milk, which it does not. Well, typically, you have to have breasts for. A, everyone has now been returned to the status of small children who don't know things. It's insane. Again, my baby daughter is two, and she knows the difference between chests and breasts. Like this is like why what? Because she because she knows that mommy nursed her using her breasts. Like what? What in the actual? What is going on? So Wilson tweets that today he learned that you're not supposed to say nursing or breastfeeding mother. You have to say chest feeding person because some people with breasts are male and some people with chests are female, et cetera, et cetera. He had to delete it. And then and then he had to tweet an apology, which, of course, is always the best move because people are very forgiving in our society. So he tweeted out yesterday. I tweeted a mean crack about breastfeeding versus chest feeding, a mean crack. After speaking with some trans friends and educating myself a bit more, I want to apologize for the tweet. It was adding to misinformation and meanness. I'm sorry. And again, this just underscores that for the left, misinformation just means anything they object to. It changes day by day. And you will be punished. You, you will be forced to, to do a malice struggle session online if you point out that chest feeding is an idiot term for idiots. If you, if you point that out, Rain Wilson, who is like a Bernie Sanders follower, must now be forced to apologize. But the apology was not enough for some fans. Now do something to materially benefit trans people, one person demanded. Now you're going to have to give us money. Do it. Trans activist Parker Malloy replied to the original tweet saying, (laughs) Dwight freaking shrewd over here, sputtering nonsense straight up Breitbart. Nobody is telling anyone they have to say chest feeding. That's just not a thing. JFC. Really? It's not? Then why do you have to apologize? Really? No, No one's saying that? Malloy went on to mock the idea of chest feeding being a mainstream mainstream word, claiming no organizations were trying to make the general public use the term in place of breast. So this is where we get into the whole: it's not happening, and it's good if it is, and you must do it or you're a bigot. And the, 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 because every time the left says, "Don't, don't," we're not going to make you say chest feeding, two minutes from now. This will be the typical term used by the entire mainstream media, and if you refuse to use it, they will call you a bigot and then ban you from social media. And it doesn't matter how powerful you are in our society. If you cross these people, they will destroy you. So, for example, let's say that you are a 75-year-old writer who has written more than 300 books and sold more than 500 million copies and is worth $800 million, like James Patterson. And let's say that you point out what is perfectly obvious from the entire publishing industry these days, which is that intersectional credentials win you publication. And if you're a white male, you're at a severe disadvantage in terms of getting published. This is obviously true. It's so true that you have people who are now masquerading as minorities in order to publish books. And then when they're found out, then it's a big scandal. And it's actually happened with a book written by a woman all about illegal migration from Central and Latin America into the United States. And it turned out that she was not Latin American. And this means that she she was canceled because of this. The simple fact of the matter is that back in like 1850, you had to have women masquerading as men to get published. Today, you have to masquerade as a member of a sexual, racial, or gender, quote unquote, minority in order to be published. Those are like extra points on your SAT scores at Harvard these days so this is clearly true. And if you talk to any person in the publishing industry, you know this is true. They openly say that they are seeking intersectional candidates as authors. So James Patterson pointed this out. He, uh, he said in an interview with the Sunday Times in London, he said white male authors faced a problem. He said, quote, what's that all about? Can you get a job? Yes. Is it harder? Yes. It's even harder for older writers. You don't meet many 52-year-old white males. Okay, that is statistically true. This is all true. But this is bad. This is very, very bad bad. So all of the Twitter users went off on him. It was just terrible, just awful. Okay, And um, then they, they cite a bunch of surveys done by publishers trying to, trying to determine how many of their contributors were white, black, and Hispanic. They say that like the New York Times did, did one of these things in 2020, saying 11% of books written in 2018 were by authors of color. But that's not what, what Patterson's talking about. He's talking about the authors that are most prized by the publishers who are going to, if, you, if you write a fiction book and you submit it to a, to a publishing company, it is harder to get that book published of equal quality if you're white than if you're black. There is an affirmative action program in place of publishers. Every, again, everyone in the publishing industry knows this. Every agent will tell you this. As somebody who's quite familiar with the publishing industry, I can tell you, this happens to be the case. Patterson is not wrong. I mean, he's intimately familiar with all of this. Okay, But then Patterson had to tweet an apology, quote, I apo- and it's not just an apology for saying, oh, I got the stats wrong. My bad. You know, I guess I misinterpreted. Here's what he had to say is amazing. Quote, I apologize for saying white male writers have trouble finding work is a form of racism. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's even further. That's I'm right. White male writers are having trouble finding work, but that's not racism. If they're being discriminated against because they are white males, that is not racism. According to James Patterson, I absolutely do not believe that racism is practiced against white writers. Please know that I strongly support a diversity of voices being heard in literature in Hollywood everywhere. So now it's not just that he's not even claiming that he was wrong. He's claiming that it can never be racist to deny a white male a job. It cannot be racist to discriminate against white males. That's not possible. When when the the moral gap in the country is growing wider by the day, that is not going to come back together. It's not going to come back together, which means that the divides in the country are going to be exacerbated more and more often unless we get some localism in here real, real damn fast. Joe Biden, however, is not in favor of localism. So at the same time that he's wrecking the economy, he's also in favor of nationalizing most issues, which is why even as we approach the possibility of Roe versus Wade being overturned, the White House is now talking about cramming down national policy by executive order that is going to prevent states from legislating how they wish on abortion. According to The New York Times, President Biden's top aides are weighing whether he can or should take a series of executive actions to help women in Republican-controlled states obtain abortions if the Supreme Court eliminates a woman's right to end her pregnancy, according to senior administration officials. First of all, you, gotta, you really have to love the language of The New York Times. A woman's right to end her pregnancy. Oh, you mean a woman's right to kill her unborn child? Is that what you're talking about? Her quote-unquote right to kill an unborn child? Some of the ideas under consideration include declaring a national public health emergency. And some of us were, uh, were very displeased with the idea of declaring public health emergencies all the time or declaring things national emergencies because we felt like that was a tool that was going to swing back around. Yeah, we're here. Readying the Justice Department to fight any attempt by states to criminalize travel for the purpose of obtaining an abortion and asserting that FDA regulations granting approval to abortion medications preempt any state bans, the official said. Well, I'm not sure how that's going to work. So the idea here is that if the FDA says that you can use a drug and a state says you can't use a drug, that magically the state law is now trumped. And he's going to do this via executive order, right? He's not going to do this via the legislature. According to Maria Torres, Senior Director of Policy Development and Strategy at Planned Parenthood, we're at a crisis moment for abortion access in this country. Officials at all levels of government must respond, including the executive branch. But Biden and his team, they're talking about legal and policy vetting of potential executive actions. They're attempting to trump all state law via the White House. But don't worry, guys. They're very much in favor of democracy. They love democracy. They love it so much that it can't be allowed to operate. Joe Biden is just going to tell everybody what to do from the top level down. That's the really important thing to remember because this doddering old fool must remain in control. It is the most important thing. All right, we'll be back here later today with additional content. First, you can't forget to end your week by tuning into The Andrew Clavin Show. Drew shows every Friday. He's got an exciting evening planned for you. Head on over to dailywire.com, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, and tune in. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Bradford Carrington, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Wydowski, associate producer Savannah Dominguez-Morris, editor Adam Saievitz, audio mixer Mike Coromina, Hair and makeup artist and wardrobe, Fabiola Cristina. Production coordinator, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Hey everybody, this is Andrew Clavin, host of the Andrew Clavin Show. You know, some people are depressed because the Republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on the Andrew Clavin Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to the Andrew Clavin Show and laugh your way through the fall of the Republic with me, Andrew Claven.